Okay, good to see you here today. Welcome. My name is Peter. I'm the pastor here at Destiny. Um, we've got an important Sunday today. We're going to be in all three services. I'm going to be sharing our dream of what we're hoping for in 2012. Uh, and it's, 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 we're going to give hope. We're going to give you faith. We're going to encourage you as we're transitioning from this year into the next. I believe we're transitioning from one type of church to another type of church. So I uh, hope your ears are open, your hearts are wide open, ready to receive and uh, look at the Bible with me. Uh, before we turn to the Bible, Andrew Owen, who is the apostle, we're part of a network of churches. Uh, it's an apostolic movement of churches. Andrew is an apostle, who, which means just like I'm a pastor looking after a local church, Andrew looks after pastors and, and congregations and gives support. Uh, I thank God for his support in my life. And he, I said to him, I was doing a vision message today, so... He, he kindly put together a little film clip uh, just to start the message off. So cue the film clip. Here's Andrew. And then in a moment, we'll turn to the Bible. Hi, folks at Destiny Edinburgh. It's just great to be able to share this opportunity with you today. These Vision Sundays are really important moments. I just wanted to share a thought with you about the power of one. But before I share that with you, as we come together considering and thinking about the next step and the next chapter in our journey, really, truly, there's only one thing that's required of us as a church and as God's people. That is that we live our life in devotion to Him. If we can live our life in devotion to Him, everything else just works out fine. Then, of course, God wants us to learn how to live that life in devotion to Him with one and another. And that's then when we have a great church. And that's what we're building right here in Edinburgh and across Scotland. But as we're sharing about vision, from my perspective, as far as we're concerned, the power of one is really important. First, we're one church in the nation together, working as a team, working as a family, working as God's people to bring in his kingdom to this place to see significant change come. Secondly, we're working as one within the church within this city. Although we're on multiple campuses in Edinburgh, we're one church with one leadership team, one family, one body. That power of one is hugely significant and the book of Psalms teaches us that when we learn how to do that well and we live together in unity, God commands blessing. Then there's the power of one of you as an individual and the difference that you can make. You go to places where I don't go, you meet people that I don't meet. You have the power of one to make a real difference and I guess that when we all pull that in together, the power of one causes everything to move forward. It's really important for us in this moment as we consider our next chapter to pull in tight to reach to God with all that we've got and to determine not to leave this world the same way we found it the good thing is God's for us God's in us and God's grace always puts inside us everything he requires from us I know that as we hear and share about our vision today with Pete the elders the deacons and the leadership team here in Edinburgh you're going to be encouraged you're going to be blessed but you're also going to be provoked to take another bold big step Let's reach for all that God has in mind for us and become all that he intended. We're believing together for great things in Edinburgh. God bless you. Have a great day. Okay, this is going to be a challenging message. Challenging message for me. Challenging message for us as a church. And I believe in it, there's hope and there's strength and there's vision for where we're heading. Uh, I probably have had the toughest week of my life. I've probably had the toughest year that I've ever lived uh, because of some of the things we're looking at today. I'm always very positive and smiley. 
But below the surface, things affect me deeply. Things challenge me deeply. And I'm challenged. I am stirred. And I'm moved because I've given my life for him. I've given my life for this thing called Destiny Church Edinburgh. I'm not going anywhere. I'm committed to helping you folks become all that God wants you to be. And when that's not happening the way I long for it to happen, it's like a knife in my soul. And I always smile. But man, I want it to be better. I want it to be stronger. I want it to go further. And uh, in today's message, I want to give you a bit of an insight into this. If you're visiting with us, great to have you here. Usually I start with a joke. Today I'm not going to. (laughs) Uh, But it's it's good for you just to be here and, you know, to get a real inside look into, wow, this is where this church is at and this is where this church is hoping of going. So welcome to our journey. And uh, we hope that you can come with us in the journey because we believe we're heading to a good place. Let me start by talking about our vision. A couple of Mondays time, we're doing This Is Our Church, as James mentioned. This is our church is a chance every month where I share the vision with folks who are coming to the church for the first time. You know, new people to the church. And if you're visiting the church, I would encourage you to come along to that. I'll start with a joke at that one. And uh, it will take the answer to share vision and answer questions. But when we share the vision, we've got, if you've been on our website, we've got a mission statement to see the lost one and the one winning throughout Edinburgh, the East Coast and beyond. We say we're going to do that with five things. Here's the five things that influence our checkbook and our calendar as a church. Number one, evangelism, reaching out to unchurched people. Number two, discipleship, helping develop and strengthen God's people to empower them to make a difference. Number three, fellowship, friendship, being a community where people love each other and are genuinely in relationship with each other. Number four, offering practical help to a city and to a world in needs, but also in the church, caring for those who are the most vulnerable and needy, not just giving food parcels to the city, but also having a food store available for the folks here who are struggling and a support network here. And fifthly and finally, and probably most importantly, a church that's in relationship with God, intimacy with God. What James mentioned about the encounter, prayer and worship and worship and prayer events, that's part of our heartbeat as a church. We know we can't just exist by good programs. We exist because of a relationship with God. And not just individually, but collectively, when we gather to pray, when we gather to worship, it makes a huge impact on our, us as a people. And it takes us forward. So prioritize those prayer moments because that's very much our heartbeat. So evangelism, discipleship, friendship, offering practical help, and intimacy with God, worship and prayer. That's who we are. However, we've been strong in a couple of those and we've been weak in a couple of those. We've been incredibly strong in evangelism. We've been incredibly strong in helping the poor in the city. We've been very strong at those two things. And that's to your credit, church. You have, you've loved the city. You've done things. With it. This is just an example of this today. You know, you've got these food parcels, 180 food parcels for people who are the most vulnerable in our city. You're loving the city. You don't just care for yourself. You're caring for the unchurched. And that's totally the heartbeat of a true Christian. And do you know what? We're strong at that. And there's many churches in the city who are actually very weak at that. They're strong in other areas that we're weak at, but they're, they're weak in that. And, and as a result, the church numbers across the, across the nation are in the decline because people are disengaging from church. And I'm so grateful to God for how he's enabled us and empowered us as a church to reach out and to connect. We will not stop doing that. 
In fact, the changes I believe and the transformation I believe God wants to bring will actually empower us to do that even more and more effectively, but it will come from a different source. Here's the two things we've been weak in. Friendship and discipleship. You know, and that, you know, I have to say, the vision statement's there because I believe in the vision. And my, my heartbeat is, I want this church to be a church that's got all the five of those firing on all five cylinders strongly. Every single one of those is just championing and strong that there's a deep community and deep discipleship going on and we're growing, we're blessed, we're strengthened and everything we do comes out of that overflow rather than like we're feeling we're empty and we haven't got anything left to give. It's better that we're full and overflowing, right? And that's, I've always dreamed of that. And then when I don't see that happening, I'm thinking, man, that's not the church I dreamt of. That's not what I tried to build. That's not what I gave my life for. And it's, I'm praying and I'm believing and I'm doing everything I can. And this vision statement's about how do we change that? How do we make ourselves strong in the areas we're weak while not losing the strength we've already got? Before we focus in on how we do that, let's just celebrate some strengths. Here's some encouragements from this year. And these, these are to be celebrated, but other things have got to be worked on. So we'll talk in a moment about what we need to work on. Here's what needs to be celebrated. Uh, Leith Campus Relaunch. Sammy's here today. Give us a wave, Sammy. Is Helen across town at Leith? Yeah. Stand up, Sammy. Let's hear for Sammy. He's down there. He's an Irish guy, guys, for the guys in the bal- balcony dwellers. Uh, Sammy is one of our elders. Him and Helen are typically based in our Leith service. He's at Destiny College this year. He's trained as a physiotherapist. He left his career to go to Destiny College this year. He's our campus pastor down in Leith. He, he runs a service down there. And we've decided to do a relaunch of Leith. You know, since starting the Gorgie campus, Leith suffered a little bit. So we've refocused some attention there. And we, we, as you remember, we've been talking about this. I've been asked for 30 people to say we're going to be part of a relaunch team. Well, last Sunday night, Sammy had a vision night with 25 people who have said we're going to commit to making it happen. Typically, 25 people who had maybe been typically here in the Gorgie services who were saying we're going to be missionaries over in Leith and help make that happen. So that's awesome. Teams coming together there. And every Sunday when I'm going from here to preach in Leith, there's a, it's, just, it's just growing. There's a growing sense of excitement, growing sense of gelling among the people. It's less of a crowd. It's more of a community. People are of good heart. Many people coming to faith, precious people coming along, and Sammy's doing a great job there. So that's encouraging. Thank God. That team's coming together. The official relaunch starts in September when we launch our new youth ministry, evening service, a 12-step recovery program down in Leith just to take everything to a new level. So keep praying for that, but thank God 25 people have committed to being in that team. The other thing I want to let you know about is we've become a grandfather church. You know, we started two churches from here, Destiny and Verness. And uh, Destiny Dunfermline a year and a half ago. Uh, they've just started other churches. So we've become a grandparent. Yay! So happy grandparents. Uh, Inverness is now planted into Dingwall, further north. And uh, Dunfermline has just got the keys to a building in Kirkcaldy. And they're kicking off in Kirkcaldy in a few weeks' time. So we'll let you know the exact date for that. And, and if you're free to go over and celebrate with them, it's a Saturday night. Uh, be there and celebrate with them. Uh, Nancy, what's the day for that? Do you know? 17th of December. So if you're free, 17th of December, Saturday night, you want to go uh, to support the Dunfermline Church. 30 of the, the church that started in Dunfermline was 30 people from these services here 
going across and starting the church there. And now they are planting into Kirkcaldy. So, uh, Thank God, since January we've seen 65 baptisms and 362 decisions for Jesus. I think that's awesome. I think every time that happens, heaven celebrates. 65 baptisms, that's just beautiful. Successful mission trips to Los Angeles. Sent a group of folks with Jude and others to LA to serve at the Dream Center to get to not only be a blessing over there and help some of the poorest of the poor, but also to be impacted by what's going on there to, so to bring some of that back here. Yesterday and on Friday, Friday, Saturday, just this week, we had church planting training. You'll heard, you heard me announce earlier in the, in the year that we want our legacy not just to be a church, but to be a church that starts churches. Thank God for the two we've started. Our dream is that years to come, this would be a vibrant church that starts hundreds of churches around the world. A healthy church that would start healthy churches. And so we had 30 people going through our church planting training yesterday and on Friday, getting equipped, two full days of training. It's one, that's one module in four modules that we're running through the whole year to equip church planters so when they hit the grounds. When me and Angie came across here 13 years ago to start the church here, we had no training, no people. We just had to make it up as we went along and trust God. Um, so, but we've learned from that, sometimes the hard way. So we want to use our experience and the experience of many others. Tony and Yvonne, uh, Tony was there. Uh, Tony and Yvonne have planted five churches. You guys stand up for a minute. Let's, I want everyone to know who these people are. Let's hear it for Tony and Yvonne Foley. I, I, I think the world of this couple, Tony, I got to know when he came to Edinburgh uh, with, with his family, and they've started five churches around the world in various cultures in China, Taiwan, and various places, uh, and Motherwell, you know. <laughs> I mean, they're really going to the jungles now, yeah? Um, but used of God to see churches, so Tony was helping at the church planting training as well, and it's a chance to really equip people, so when they hit the ground, they're going with backing, and they're going with equipping. And thank God also this year has been a year when we've not only had home groups, but we've put a second level in. So home group leaders are cared for by cluster leaders. And that's starting to have an effect, but with what I'm going to be sharing, that effect will increase so strongly in the year ahead. Uh, So every home group leader, maybe four or five home group leaders are cared for by a senior leader. We call a cluster leader looking after a cluster of home group leaders. So the home group leaders are giving care to the members of the church that they themselves have been cared for. And that was an essential structure we've put in. And I believe the structure's there, but now we need to see some life come into the whole structure as we go ahead in the year ahead. However, so here's the good things. Praise God. We've been strong in evangelism. We've been strong in helping the poor and needy. But here's the big however. So I've been getting feedback. I've been getting feedback from, it's not like people who are in the fringe of the church and I hate that church and throwing little bombs in. But people who I value, people who are precious individuals in this church who actually when people are saying things, and they're not saying it because they hate you, they're not saying it to put you down, they're saying it because we love you, Peter, and we love the church, and we're, and you know what, we're just actually, because we love, we're concerned. When people like that speak, you can have a voice, because I respect that sort of attitude, because they have honor, they have passion for what God's doing, as I do. And so the comments have come through the year, and every time a comment comes, it, it guts me, because it's not the type of church I'm believing for. But, and and I've, been, I've been praying hard and I've been consulting our leaders and you, know, you have no idea how many meetings we've had, how many times we've had to look real hard, soul-searchingly 
hours and hours and hours looking at these things. Let me give you a summary of the comments and let me read a letter that one of our members sent us. Here's a summary of the comments. Here's comments relating to relationships. Now, let me also say this. There's some of you sitting here and you're, you're fairly new to the church and you're going to hear these things and think, no, that's not this church. This church is awesome. There's, there's, a, there's a good number of you here, a good crowd of you here who are just love this church. It's all exciting. And you're in your honeymoon period and it's, and it's awesome. And it, it is this good, honestly. They're just all lying. Don't ignore them. It is that good. Right. So some of you are not going to be able to relate to any of this. You think, no, it's not that bad. And I understand that. But all I'm saying is the comments are from people who have been around for a few years and who are feeling some pressures. And therefore, I'm taking note because I don't want this to be a church where people can have a cool time for the first couple of years. But then when the kind of rubber hits the road, then they find it hard and they don't thrive. I mean, the church is meant to be a place where people thrive. In all places on earth, this is meant to be the place where people thrive. This is meant to be the place where people have an abundant life, where lives are blessed. So here's the comments. Relationships. People feel isolated. Lack of community. People don't feel valued. These are people who are typically serving. No one cares about my personal situation, someone said. A good person. Here's a comment from one of the kids' workers. Kids' church is really difficult. There's a real lack of helpers. I just don't feel the church is like it used to be. I hardly know anyone anymore. And I know this person who said that. And I value this person. This is not a shallow person. This is not a needy person. This is actually a person who does a ton of stuff for a ton of people, but not much has been done for them. Here's a comment. We've been far too focused on what we're going to do and far too unconcerned about really developing the people who are going to get us there. Has that ever been our intention? Never once. Never once. But it's what the reality is for some people. Lack of depth. Superficiality. You know, so it's the, hi, how are you on a Sunday? But where's the real relationship? Where's the going deeper as a community where you're like a family? People getting aggro with us in the visitor's desk. This was a precious couple in our church. They, they stopped serving in the visitor's desk because members of the church were getting aggro with them when they didn't have enough information. And probably the mistake was the staff didn't get the information to them in time. But then the members of the church get aggro with them because they don't have the information in the visitor's desk. But these people are volunteering. Also, some guys in the catering team get that as well. They get kind of aggro. I was going, that's not the type of church we want to be. We want to be a Christ-centered community. I'm not pointing the finger at you, I'm pointing the finger at me. Because this is what I've been involved with creating. People feeling overstretched. Okay, here's a letter from one of our members. I thought I would send you a wee email following our very brief chat on Sunday. I chatted to this person, I said, listen, thanks for these comments, can you email these to me? Because I don't want to miss these things. I wanted to fill you in a bit more after talking more, uh, sorry, after taking more time to reflect. The verses that have been really on my heart is the one where the church should be known for their love for one another. I do love the church. I feel blessed to be part of it. And let me make it clear that I'm completely value and respect you, your leadership, and your fantastic teaching. What burdens me and upsets me, to be honest, is that sometimes I feel like I'm serving all the time, and yet I'm feeling really dry spiritually and desperate for support and input as a leader. And it all hit home to me back in the summer when I was moving flat. No one from the Destiny Church community offered or was willing to help me move. 
If it wasn't for my boyfriend and his church community, I would have been able to manage. I was pretty upset. I was happily serving the folks in the church, yet no one was there to actually help me when I was in need. It can feel pretty lonely in the church at times when you feel that you're just someone to fill a rotor, where inside you want to scream out that I'm a person too who wants to feel part of a community. The friends I do have within the church are so busy that they have very little free time to invest in those friendships. And as I said, I have to hold my hands up and take responsibility for, the thing, for things on my part that, that I've had few time, few, little time, too little time for other people as well. You know, I, I feel like I could walk in and out of church on Sunday without anyone ever noticing. Please don't take this email as discouraging. Yeah, there must be some encouragement in there somewhere. <laughs> Seriously, don't. There is no such thing as a perfect church, and I'm under no illusion. I just want the church to be known for its love for one another, particularly those who are already part of it. Oh, boy. That's, I mean, that's winding. When I read that stuff, I'm leading this thing. I think that makes me feel. And, you know, forget me. How are you guys feeling? Because that's naff. And that's representative of maybe many people in our church to greater or lesser degrees. That's not the community we want to be. That's not the community described in the book of Acts in the early church. That's not the community we refuse to be that as we go into the next year. So how can we change this going forward? Well, our weakness is clearly in friendship and community and discipleship. You know, these comments I've given you just are summary comments. Some of them are exact quotes, but many of them are summaries of quite a few other comments that have come. And we've taken a lot of time to look at these comments and really ask, okay, that's the fruits. What's the roots? And we believe with all our heart, the root issues is the two areas that we're weaken in our vision, friendship and discipleship. And actually, they're both integrated to each other. They're both completely connected, friendship and discipleship. See, discipleship isn't just a process you go through. It happens in relationship with other people. It's that those two are so interconnected. So it's not just an infrastructure change we need. And I mean, I've, I've, you know, I did a vision statement a, a, a year and a half ago about from survival to thrival to revival. And I talked about some of the changes we're going to make to try and improve things. And we've done a lot of things infrastructure-wise to help improve things, but it hasn't totally done it. It's still a lot of way to go. And here's the thing, it's not just putting in another program or it's not just adding another event or it's not just putting on another staff member. That will fix it, tick. That's not what needs, this church needs culture change. That's what it needs. It's not, it can't, nothing on the surface. That's just dealing with the fruits, putting plasters over wounds. Putting plasters over a problem, plaster that. There's another plaster that. We've done that. We've been doing that for the last year and a half. I've been running like a headless chicken, working long hours to try and do that. You have to know I've not been doing nothing right? I've been praying hard and doing what I can. We've been doing what we can, but it's not enough. What needs to happen as we go forward into the year ahead is fundamental culture change. Culture change. And do you know what I believe? I believe that culture change doesn't happen overnight. So I'm giving you some hope here. The hope I'm giving you is I'm hearing things. I'm not deaf. I'm hearing it. That should give you hope. But I'm not saying Next week, it's going to be fine. Honestly, trust me. All those feelings are going to go. It's not going to happen like that. Because if it was an event, we could change it in a week. But it's not an event. So what's the church going to look like next year? The same. We're still going to have Sunday services and home groups. It's going to look the same on the outsides. 
The services might just be similar looking, but it's not what it looks like on the outside. It's the fundamental culture underneath the surface that has to change. In many respects, it might look the same the church in the next year. My passion is that it's not going to be the same culture under the surface, that there'll be a fundamental different flow, a different stream happening that creates a different type of culture. That's what I'm committed to in the next year. Culture change will not happen overnight. I can't announce it to you. Oh, here, this is what, here it is, the culture change. It will come a point where either it happens or it doesn't. Either you experience it or you don't. And it's going to take a while for it to filter through for everyone to experience it. But we need you guys, we need my leaders, we need the team leaders, we need all the servers, we need everyone in the church to buy in and say, yeah, we're going to be part of this culture change. And let me spell out to you in broad strokes what the culture change is. I'm not going to be able to give you all the answers just now. I don't want to give you some half-baked solutions. I know where we're heading. I know exactly where we need to head. But the details of it still need to be worked out with a lot of thoroughness. Last thing you need is another announcement about something that isn't fully prepared. What we need to do is know exactly where we're heading in broad strokes and then work through the detail with rigor and passion week on week on week on week until we see total transformation in our church. How do we transform culture and not lose the strengths we've already got? That's our goal. Let's look at Jesus. Who reckons that's a good place to start? Jesus came to his disciples, Mark 1, 17 to 18. And he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. This was him calling them into an adventure. He was calling them into a relationship. They went from being just bods to becoming the most purposeful individuals on earth at that time. People who went on to change the world. And yet what Jesus was calling them into was a relationship. A relationship with him. A relationship with each other. They came from being individuals doing their things to becoming part of something that was going somewhere. You see, discipleship's not an event. Discipleship's a relationship with others in which we grow more closely to Christ. It's 24-7. It's not just two hours in a home group or one hour on a Sunday. It's 24-7. It's doing life together. The word disciple is the Greek word matetas, which means one who learns from instruction from another, a learner or a pupil. So you're learning as a disciple, but how are you learning? It's not just words that you're learning. It's doing life together that causes the learning to be so impacting. So when they were learning by Jesus, they were learning by following. They were watching how Jesus interacted with people, and they were learning. That's how you interact with people. They were watching how Jesus, they were actually experiencing how Jesus loved them. They felt that, and then they had learned love, not just by words, but they felt it. They understood how Jesus cared for the neediest of needy people and the most vulnerable people, and they got instantly a value of how you treat human beings with dignity, no matter what status they have in life. They watched how Jesus taught. They watched how he corrected people. They watched how he was passionate about certain situations, and they caught it. It wasn't just words. It was an experience they went through. And Jesus, when he called them to follow, that was what they went into. They went from being people with one level of relationships to becoming people with three levels of relationships. And health is three levels of relationships. You see, when they were fishermen, they just had mates. But now they became disciples. They had, I guess some people call this, John C. Maxwell calls this 360 degree leadership. They had three levels of relationship. They had someone leading them. They had people alongside them on the journey. 
And they had people they were going to lead. They were going to fish for men. They were going to reach people. They were going to impact the world. But they weren't going to do it without the support on the other levels. What we've been doing as a church, we've been doing the fishing for men, reaching out, touching the city. And by God's grace, we've been effective. But we've been weak on our peer levels. You know, where are the people alongside us when we most need it? And sure, we've got, in theory, leaders with us. But are we really feeling their love? Are they really giving their lives for us in a way that they actually know us? And yet this is what they experienced when they came into following Jesus. They knew Jesus. Jesus related with them. They had a great leader. They were alongside people who were also going in this journey of discipleship. And out of the overflow of those two things, they were being a blessing to so many people, as we'll go on to see in the book of Acts. And then Jesus, having spent three years with these disciples, having taught them, having modeled to them, having said things sure, but also demonstrated things, he said to them this, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. But this will, this will everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Why did he give the commandment then? Why didn't he give it on day one of them becoming disciples? Here's why. Because they, it would just have been a theory then. But having given it on year three, just before his crucifixion, just before he ascended back to the Father, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, just before that, he said, as I have loved you. See that last three years, guys? See what you experienced with me? See how I interacted with you? See how I gave you my time? See how I cared for you when no one else did? See how I saw the potential in you when no one else did? See how I worked with you to bring the best out in you? See how sometimes, because I loved you, I corrected you? See how sometimes I encouraged you when I saw you were at the lowest of the low? See how I was there for you in that last three years? You felt that, right? Now, you felt that, so you now know what it means to love. So I'm not going to give you a new commandment. As I have loved you, that model, how you felt that, now do it for someone else. And they got it. They didn't have theory. They had an experience, a life-changing, transforming experience that then empowered them to go and love other people. Jesus said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples, by your love. The identifying fact, the identifying hallmark of a disciple wasn't someone who can quote Bible verses. The identifying qualifying factor in a disciple's life was they were living a life. They were oozing this love they had an interaction with people that was different because of Jesus Christ. So that's, I mean, just that is what we're going for. You want a description of the next year? That's what we want. Some, and you know what? This is, this is where friendship and discipleship are both important and they're inseparable. Love and discipleship. If you have love without discipleship, it could just be a mush, a bleh. We just all love each other, but we're not, we're not going anywhere. We're just kind of bleh. Warm. Right, who wants that? If we have discipleship without love, it could just be a process, an agenda. Oh, I'm get better at my faith then, okay. You know, that, that, could, that could be how it is. But when you've got love and discipleship, then what you've got is you've got people who are dedicated to each other, dedicated to God, and dedicated to a mission. Journeying together, experiencing love, growing in that environment, and that's dynamic. That's what Jesus was saying. He doesn't separate love and discipleship. It's just right together. There was a story of a four-year-old girl who awoke one night in the middle of the night, and she was scared because she thought in the darkness was monsters and things in the darkness. So she got out of her bed, and she ran through to mommy and daddy's room, and mum brought her back through to bed and sat her down and put the light on and said, listen, honey, 
You don't need to be afraid. God's in the room with you. You don't need to be scared. And the little girl replied, I know that God is here, but I need someone in this room who's got skin. And God knew we needed skin. You know, we believe in an omnipresent God and surely that should give us comfort. Absolutely. But God also knows he's created us to have relationship with human beings. And the Bible says we are the body of Christ. That actually as we are together, Christ is among us. That it's not, oh, we get God. You should surely just trust God. No, no, we need each other as well because God's in among that. God's in that. We need to build a community, not just a crowd. It can't be a crowd if we're going to change culture. And so I'm asking something of all of you here because some of you are really connected. Some of you are totally disconnected. And I'm really asking you. I'm talking about culture change here. And if, if we're going to be the church that doesn't lose the strengths we've got, but does it from an overflow... If we're going to be that church, it's going to take every single one of us saying, I'll follow you, Jesus, with this people. Then that's what Jesus did to his disciples, and then Jesus died on the cross. Now, just let me say this really quick. If you're here today and you don't know God, he is incredible. God we're talking about in the Bible here sent Jesus, and Jesus died in your place on the cross. You're a sinner, as am I. And if our sin is not dealt with, we'll be eternally separated from God because it's a barrier between us and God, that's sin. But when Jesus died on the cross, he died to take away the barrier so you can know God. I believe that's the biggest truth you could ever know. Jesus died for you on the cross, shed his blood, paying the price for your sin. He rose again again on the third day. He's alive now and he can be your savior. Give your life to him. At the end of the service, I'll give you an opportunity to do that. Give your life to him. Make him central in your life. So Jesus made that impact on the disciples. They were forever changed. And then what did the disciples do? After Jesus had risen from the dead, they saw him alive. They were buzzing. They were ready to tell the world. He ascended back to the Father. They were commissioned. They went to Jerusalem. And the Bible says they were praying because Jesus told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. And when they were in in that room in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit came. Fire fell from heaven. They were empowered. They spoke with tongues. There was an awesome, intense experience. God still does that today. If you haven't had it, it can be yours. This happened for 120 believers. And huge crowds of people who were Jewish people in that city at the time, and they saw the phenomena that was taking place. They gathered to see what was going on. The apostle Peter stood, stands up in front of these huge crowds and addresses the crowds and says, folks, this is what was prophesied, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on God's people. And, and he, then he went on to tell them about Jesus. And the Bible says that that day, 3,000 people accepted Jesus. And this is what it says about those 3,000 people. So the church has been birthed. The first church ever on earth has come into existence. It's exciting. It's dynamic. What does that church look like? Acts chapter 2, 41 onwards. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to the number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. Selling the possessions and good, they gave to everyone as they had needs. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes with, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who have been saved. And that's beautiful. 
That's a, that's a description of a model community. This is countercultural. This is radical. This is people who, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. This was the real thing. It wasn't just, I love you in words. This was, you have a need, I'll meet your needs. This is, we're going to break bread together. That means we have no issues with each other. We're going to forgive each other. We're going to walk in covenant. We're going to walk in relationship. This is dramatic stuff. Actually, this is what the world's crying out for. We were born for this community. This is God's solution for earth called the church. The church isn't a gathering with a building that's got a name. A church is this. It's community. It's people following Jesus with each other, impacting the world. That's what it is. It's community. It's love. It's an intensity about it, and it's just beautiful. So the question is, how did it, how did it look like that? How on earth did it look like that? Here's how it looked like that. It was led by impacted people. The disciples had obviously been so dramatically impacted by the life that Christ had modeled to them that they now were able easily to apply that same DNA in this new church that was burst in Jerusalem. We see the same strength, the same qualities in that Jesus said, the love I've shown you, love other people with that love now. They got it, so they gave it. That's how it worked. That's how it's got to work in here, in this church. It's not theory, it's not lectures. You've got to experience it, then you've got to give it. That's how we've got to be as a community as we're going forward. That was Jesus. That was the disciples. What about us? Well, actually, what I'm talking about today is not us doing something we've never done before. See, to go forward, we actually need to go back to some things that we used to do very well. When I'm talking about friendship and discipleship. I'm not talking about values we've never had. I'm talking about values we totally have, always have had. It's just we've let them slip a couple of years ago. Not intentionally. The church started by me and Angie moving over to Edinburgh. And when we started the church, I spent my time one-to-one loving people, developing them in their faith. We kicked off in our flat. We had a half a dozen people for the first year. And what did I do? I just poured my life into them. The church outgrew the flat, moved it to Tollcross Primary School. And what did I do? I, worked, I was working full-time in an architect's office, and every lunchtime I scheduled to meet different people who I figured, I, you know, the church had got to about 30, 40 people. I knew I couldn't be there for all of them. Just as Jesus, he didn't kid himself on that he could be there for everyone. He preached to the multitudes, but he gave himself wholeheartedly to some key people who in turn gave themselves wholeheartedly to other people. And by that means, everyone was cared for. So I gave my time and my lunch times to spend time with key people in the church at that time, in 2002, 2003. They were so blessed and built up, I could see their effect also was outpouring on other people. Just like Jesus impacted the disciples, then the first church was impacted because the disciples impacted it. Then we moved to Leith, and that was awesome. That was a momentous moment. We moved from 50 people to Leith in 2004, and that year we grew through the 100 mark, and then through the 200 mark, and then through the 300 mark, and we went to three services down in Leith before buying here in 2008. That was so exciting, and you know what? In those times, many of you who were around at those times, a lot of these comments are from people who knew the church back then, who knew how it used to be, and they missed that. There was values and an infrastructure in place. Uh, There was a, commonly I would get letters to me about, this place is so loving, can you someone send me one of those letters, please? <laughs> if you don't feel it, just fake it and send it. It just encourages me. Man, 
I used, to get, I used to get those letters. I used to get letters saying, I came to your church. I felt so welcome. Or I've been here three months. And do you know what? I just fit so in. People just care for me. It's incredible. We were doing the stuff. This is not something we've never done before. This is stuff we totally believe in, but we've got a week in. We've never lost the valley. We've lost our ability to do it. And we're gaining our ability back as we go into the next year. People were discipled. It wasn't superficiality. It wasn't shallow faith. It wasn't shallow relationships. There was authentic faith, people really pursuing Christ. And then we moved to here, and that was God's will, and the church started becoming a bit more dispersed, and it was a big step. I mean, no other church in Edinburgh has gone in 13 years from nothing to 600 people and bought two buildings. That's, and I'm not saying that as a boast, I'm just saying that's glory to God, that's incredible. And, but in that journey, since moving to the two campuses, we lost a little bit of what make us who we were in the first place. So here we are on two campuses saying, actually, it's not going to be like that. We're going to be all about what Jesus wants us to be all about. Go make disciples. Loving community of people, welcoming new people, loving every person from the oldest, most mature person to the youngest, most first-time believer. Every person gets loved. Every person gets taken forward. And it comes from an overflow, not from giving them from empty. So how's it going to happen? Rick Warren said, build the people and God will build the church. Matt Chandler, who leads the village church in Texas, he's a great guy. He, he said this. He said, the church has been growing at a rate of 1,000 people per year. And when he was asked what his greatest regret was, this is what he said, asking the wrong questions. We kept asking, how do we connect all these people? How do we connect the people? How do we connect the people? But the question should have been, how do we effective, effectively disciple the people? How do we help them grow in God? Rather than thinking, connect the people. Because thinking connect the people, we're just going to have more staff. And we're going to have more events and more systems. Oh, we need to connect. Right? And that's actually not what it's about. If we create a movement where everyone is growing in God, then everyone will be taking ownership for everyone. And connection will happen. And we will still have the system, sure. So how's it going to happen with us? Well, Jesus modeled life to his disciples. The disciples modeled life to the new disciples who modeled life to the new disciples. And amazingly, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it didn't get diluted as it went down. 2,000 years on, Christianity is the biggest thing on earth. Growing at a rate of... 100,000 new converts a day. It hasn't got diluted, folks. It's actually got stronger than ever. God's at work because God's Holy Spirit works with this journey called discipleship. So, do you know what? There's no way at all. This church has got too big for me to know you all personally. And genuinely, I regret that. Genuinely, I do. Because I think you're wonderful people, apart from a few of you. I genuinely do. So, you know, and when I can, I'll be at the door and say hi. But listen, if, if you're expecting a solution, ah, the solution is, Peter, just do what you did at the beginning. Know everyone and love them all and give you time. Sure, if you want me to live for three years. But it would be physically impossible for me to do that. And it would, just, it, would, it would shrink the church to 30 people again. What needs to happen is I need to not just have banter with and not just do, do stuff with, but really love and raise up the key people and not just manage them like a manager but actually 
love them, model to them, train them, be an example to them, who in turn will impact and love every last leader in our church. So every home group leader and team leader won't just know the theory of discipleship, but my hope is they'll feel it. It's not just two hours in a week at a home group, but they're feeling it through experience 24-7. There's someone there at the end of the line, people who genuinely care. In order to do this, we're going to have to thin out our calendar a little bit because we're going to make time in people's lives for this. So we're going to be swinging away from being so event-driven. And I'm not saying we're going to do no events because I don't want to, because we're actually very good at events. We just want to get the right balance. So we'll still do some events, but not as intensely as we have been because we want to create space in people's lives to give priority to developing good quality friendships and relationships with each other. Not so we can become this little inward thing. Remember I said love without discipleship just becomes a mush. It's love and discipleship. Then we become a movement that touches the city. So that's how we're going forward. I'm going to ask uh, the elders just now just to come up and elders and wives and deacons to come up and just you know, add something. I'll ask them all just to say something for a minute each. Just This is what we're saying about this. This is what we're feeling. Uh, so let's hear it for the guys as they come. I knew I shouldn't pick the microphone up first. Um, just that when we were thinking about what this message would, would mean, I was praying about it, um, and I was led to Second Timothy two two, and this is Paul writing to Timothy, and he just says, "You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others." Now people who know me, and especially folk in home groups, they'll know that when I do analogies, there's always a sport connection. So apologies, there's another sport connection coming. This got me thinking about snooker. As it does, discipleship and snooker go hand in hand in my mind. Um, and I was thinking about when, when the likes of Stephen Henry or whoever it is, when they go to make a big break, they don't suddenly think, I'm potting that red. And then they go, which colour will I go for? They're thinking two, three, four shots ahead because they're going, I'll do that one. And then they'll be positioned over here to get there, to get here, to get here. In my mind, that's what discipleship needs to look like. It's not just Pete in, putting into one person, it's, or me inputting into one person, it's me inputting into somebody to input into somebody, to input into somebody else. And from there, that's where I see the discipleship going. I got a verse for you as well. It's from Proverbs 18, verse 24. Listen, it says, A man of many companions may come to ruin... But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You can't be everybody's best friend. I can't be all of your best friends. Some of you are really pleased about that, actually. (laughs) But I can't do it. You can't do it. Peter can't do it. James can't do it. My wife can't do it. Nobody can do that in a church of this size. It's impossible. But I can be a friend that sticks closer than a brother to several people. I can do that for a handful of people. And you can do that for a handful of people. What is a friend that sticks closer than a brother? That kind of friend cares. They care about a number of things. They care about your well-being. They want to see you happy. And I believe a true Christ-like friend who sticks closer than a brother wants to see you grow in God. And that's the kind of friend I want to be to a handful of people. And that's the kind of friend that I want you to be for a handful of people. That's the kind of friend that I want you to have. 
And here's the thing, I want everybody in this church to have at least one of those kind of friends. And I want everyone in this church to be that kind of friend. I want everybody in this church to be that kind of friend for at least one person in the church. And I want everybody in this church to be that kind of person for somebody outside the church. Pretty simple, but I think if we can all just do it, it would be pretty revolutionary. I have not got a verse or an iPhone. Um, <coughs> so I'm hoping that will come as a matter. Um, Sarah and I, we want this church to be a place where every person, from the youngest person to the oldest person, from the, the newest visitor to the person who's been here for a dozen years, we want every person to, to continue to grow, as we have been doing, to become more like Jesus in every area of life, in the knowledge of God, uh, by understanding his word in the Bible, coming closer to God uh, through prayer and through worship, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, witnessing to our unsaved friends, helping the poor, and being an active part, and this is this important part, of a strong community where everyone has deep and meaningful relationships, where every person is noticed, every person is loved, every person is appreciated, and every person is supported by their many good friends that they have in this church. Good morning. Um, I don't have an iPhone, but I do have a verse, so... <laughs> um, as Helen and I have been praying, uh, God, I felt God give us a verse in Psalm 92, and it says this, verse 13 and 14, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. And, you know, as we've been praying, we're, we're praying for next year. We want to see a church that is doing that, that is growing uh, more like Christ, uh, with kind of a renewed and contagious love for the people of the church. And I think, as well as that, a deep passion for the unchurched of our city. A community where everyone belongs, uh, where everyone's planted, um, and as they're planted, they flourish. And specifically, we want to see um, home groups thriving. We want to see home groups continue to thrive, uh, continue to become communities where people belong, uh, where people are cared for and growing uh, to become more like Christ. And especially, specifically, as we've been talking about earlier, to see leaders um, uh, cared for, thriving in the area that they're serving and they're leading, not running dry, but feeling uh, full uh, and having support. And in that kind of uh, strength and everybody flourishing, uh, seeing the church grow, uh, seeing the church uh, grow for their love for one another, for the people in here and also uh, for the people of our city. So that's our prayer uh, for the year, year ahead. Peter had two commissions. And I, the first commission... Peter was a fisherman, right, in the, in the, one of the first disciples who became a great apostle. The first commission was in Luke 5, 18 and to 11. He'd been fishing. Jesus asked to borrow his boat. He hadn't caught any fish. Jesus asked to borrow his boat so he could speak to the crowds on the shore. And when Simon, and then it says, after he'd done that, he said, go cast your nets in the sea. And they said, no, we haven't caught anything. And there's no fish out there. And Jesus said, do it. And he got the biggest catch ever. And he says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell on his knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. 
So they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything, everything, and followed him. I used to fish. When I was 12, 13, I used to fish a lot. Every weekend I fished. I was asked to fish for Scotland when I was 13 in an international. I, I, I fished competition fishing in, in canals and various, various course fisheries. I used to love that. That was my thing. And I was good. When I got saved, got this call to plant a church. I was about to move across to Edinburgh, and me and Angie went forward at a conference. There was a prophet there. Andrew Owen was there as well as an apostle. We had a prophet there. People laid hands on us, commissioned us to the work, and prayed over us. This prophet prophesied over me, Ian Rawley. He's a barrister from Cambridge, and he's, just, he's got this calling to be a prophet. He prophesied over me. He said, God calls you. He says, you're a fisher of men. He said, I've called you to fish. You will fish, and you will fish effectively. So I almost got that same commissioning. And I have, by God's grace. We've seen about 2,700 decisions for Christ since 2003. That's tiny compared to the need that's out there. But it's a lot more than a lot of people are seeing. And I don't say that because we're glad about that. It's tragic that that's good. (laughs) I fished. Then Peter got another commission. And it also happened when he was fishing. Jesus had died on the cross, risen again. Jesus hadn't fully appeared to all the disciples and they not all were totally aware of what was happening but Peter was so down and low that he denied the Christ on the day of, of his crucifixion that he went he said I'm going fishing again and there Jesus came and in, in John's gospel chapter 21 Jesus came and met and he says he shouted from the shore throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some and when we did we were they were unable to haul in the net because of the number of fish The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and he jumped into the water. I don't know why I did that. I usually take your clothes off. Put my clothes on, go for a swim. (laughs) Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, he said, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I feel God's given me a second commissioning. And you know, I've always cared for people. I've never not cared for people. And I feel, you know, yesterday as I was driving back from Perth, I'd been speaking at something, I was driving back to Edinburgh, I just felt God's presence really strongly in the car, and those verses, that's why I included them today, just echoed around my soul, that sense of this was two commissionings that Peter was given, both in context of fishing, one was about reaching out, but the other's about going deeper and taking people further, you know, he says, feed my lambs, you know, the youngest believer, help them to grow, feed them, and it's not just feeding them from preaching, it's feeding them from developing them. And then he says, take care of my sheep. So you're helping care for people and providing an environment where people can care for them. Because as I said, I can't care for you all, but I can provide an environment where people are cared for, who care for others, who care for others. And then he says, feed my sheep. Because lambs become sheep when they're cared for and fed. They grow, they become strong, they become mature. And that's what we want to be as a church. And that's what we're passionate about being as a church. So what now? Well, as I said, culture change might look very similar to it looks just now. 
but there will be a culture that's different, a different vibe going on under the surface. Thank you to everyone who's been serving. Some of you have been feeling these things, like the the precious girl who wrote that note to me. Some of you have been feeling these things, and yet you haven't quit. Thank you for the values that says you have. Thank you that you're not a quitter. Thank you for honoring the leadership and honoring what God's doing here enough, not just to say, all right, this is too tight for me. I'm going somewhere else where I'll get fed, or I'll go somewhere where I feel better. I thank you so much for being loyal. Thank you so much for your perseverance. And sorry, it's been like the way it's been. Uh, thank you for all the home group leaders. When you're hearing people saying, you know, everyone needs to be in a home group, some of you are thinking, I'm already feeling it. I don't, I don't feel I've got much to give as a home group leader. And I understand that. And it's, it might not change instantly. But we're going to put an infrastructure in place where the home group leaders feel totally loved on. Not just because there's a cluster system in place, but the culture that's flowing through that system will be such, I believe, that it will enhance your life and build you stronger than you've ever been before. That's the dream. I'm asking you to forgive us for when we've actually not been the environment we should have been. Uh, I promise you, never once have I ever intended to cause any hurt or harm, but by default, by things growing and outgrow, you know, we kept the values, but we haven't applied it in the way we needed to as things have continued to grow. Really sorry, I'm so sorry that that's hurt some of you. So can I ask you forgiveness? Can I also ask you to be patient with us? Because culture change isn't done. It takes time. So you just have to hang in, hang in there a little bit longer, please. But with a bit more hope. And I'm asking you to have a bit more of that hope. I'm also asking you to trust. Because I understand this is, we trust the leadership here. We're, thanks for hearing. Thanks for analyzing. Thanks for seeing it. We trust you. I'm also going to ask you, get connected with the home group. Can ask you all, every one of you. I get a report every week to tell me how many go to home group and how many don't. And half of you don't. So we're a crowd on a Sunday, but no connection through the week. And you can't really go deep with people just turning up at a crowd on a Sunday. Can I ask you to please go to home group? Don't just have a shallow commitment to a local church because, oh, church going, that's what we do. No, just connect deeper, part of the body of Christ. Connect in a home group. But beyond just going, turning up at home group, love one another. See when you pick up your kids from the kids' ministry, say thank you to the volunteers. When you take a cup of coffee from the people who have been in since nine o'clock getting everything set out, say thank you to them. Show appreciation to the staff who typically, not one of the staff that are, who are under me work their hours. Not one man, we're just, it's nuts. We're all overstretched. Just love each other and love each other. Care for each other. And when someone new comes to the church, don't wait or the visits team will welcome them. No, you go welcome them. It's about changing culture, about being this environment and it's about showing appreciation. My preaching in next year, I'm going to take the whole year. We're going to preach, next week is the last week on the parables. It's going to take all of next year to preach on who we are as a church and our values. This is who we will be. This is what we believe in. These are the biggies. These are the milestones we are all about as a church. And every week in home group, is going to be, that message is going to be followed up in home groups. Not, not just a regurgitation of the same, but taking it further and how do we live this and how do we apply this. We're going to start January with a 21-day Daniel fast. Middle of January for 21 days, three weeks, we're going to fast. What we mean Daniel fast? 
<clears throat> isn't a total fast, it's just vegetables only. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be great. It's like a detox, yeah? Um, we're going to start the year with a fast because we say, actually, God, this isn't just about us working harder here. We need you to help us. We need you to pour out your spirit upon us as we go into this year. So will you join us in that? And also can I ask you to give feedback. Let's, you know, uh, I, I don't like getting tough letters, but if you've been feeling it and you need to know, you need me to know certain things, then you can email me. Or you can get feedback to us, or if you've got ideas, feedback to us. And now what we're going to do is we're going to take communion. We're going to break bread. So here's what I'm going to ask you. Any hurts you've had? I don't say snap out of it. I don't mean that. But let's try our best to work through them. If someone's offended you in the middle of busyness, you actually don't know what each other's going through. So you don't know where people are coming from when they're speaking because some people are under a lot of pressure. If someone's hurt you or offended you, draw a line today. Break bread. Have communion. And say, God, we're going to move forward without that now. Uh, as we take communion, can I ask you to have good things going on in your soul and to let there be hope and let there be commitment and let there be faith for where we're heading? As some of you are coming forward to take communion, can I ask, as you're, even as you're coming forward, just that you're transitioning from being someone who just attends a service to being someone actually saying, I'm going to do what Sammy read out. I'm going to plant my life in the local church. I'm going to be planted in the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, you love those disciples. You called them to yourself to the biggest adventure of their lives. You called them to yourself and you loved them. And you didn't just teach them love, you showed them love. And after three years, you said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. God, I'm asking you, God, that these two areas of weakness, I'm asking that we will become strong in these areas now. God, we ask an agreement just now. God, that you would help us to culture change, God. God, thank you so much for the people who have come to faith. Thank you so much, God, for the poor in the city who have been helped. And we will continue to do that, God. But God, we're asking you just now, please, God, help us to transition a church, a precious church, a church that you have birthed, a church that I believe you believe in. I believe, thank God for every church in this city, and I believe you've put us here, God, to play our part too. And I believe you've birthed this church. We pray, let it transition to be a church now where love, community, and discipleship takes place. We ask that in agreement in the name of Jesus.